going to get right into the Word today. Uh, if you would go to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 32. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 32. And when you got it, if you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word today. And uh, before we read, I just want to uh, go ahead and let any of our kiddos go that would like to go back to a class today. Um, and uh, we, we have that back there for you. There's snacks and games and crafts and all kinds of fun stuff, and they got a lesson just for you. And uh, Miss Angie and Mr. Mike are in the back, and uh, they'd be happy to uh, take you on back there this morning. Y'all are going to have a good time back there. And all the parents said, thank you, Jesus. And so uh, let's get into the word this morning. This is what it says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would add your anointing to this word today. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. God, I pray all these things in your name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I always found it interesting in this story how Mary questioned what type of greeting this was going to be. Because the angel Gabriel starts out, greetings, O favored one. And she gets scared with that statement. How many know that when God begins to ask something of you and begins to announce something to you, some big grand news, that it can be a scary thing. And I, I don't think that it was, it was anything but what kind of journey is this getting ready to set in place for me is what caused the fear. I think, I think obviously the angel's appearance was probably terrifying the 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 brightness the the power and the strength that we see in in an angelic being throughout scripture would no doubt be a terrifying thing but he starts out says greetings o favored one and she questions in her heart what kind of greeting is this what i'm a little bit nervous about what i'm getting ready to hear and and when you when you look back in your life and maybe even where you're at in your season of life now, maybe there's been a moment where God has spoken to you or is speaking to you and trying to direct you and give you a, a promise for your life and give you a direction to go in. And in the very beginning, it is a terrifying thing. See, I don't think she was scared of, of the angel as much as she was what he was going to say. Because it says in her heart she was trying to figure out what greeting this was trying 
this was this was supposed to be. She she was trying to discern: is this a good thing? Is this going to be a bad thing? What is going to be asked of me? There were so many things flooding her mind at the very beginning of this, and I'm and I, and as we know in this story, it gets much more crazy within her mind as she begins to hear what the angel has to say about her carrying the Son of God on this earth. And so when we start out our journey, when we start out the process of our promise, it always starts with receiving a promise. You can't have the journey, you can't have the, the, the process without the promise. And so when we start out on this journey, it's always a scary thing. And maybe for some of us, it's actually exciting at first. But, but even if it's exciting at first, when you begin to start thinking about what that promise is, then the next few thoughts that come into your mind are most likely, oh man, but how am I going to get there? When God begins to lay out a promise for you, the, the reality of it is, is the journey is oftentimes something you didn't even expect to have happen. And there is a process that we have to go through to get to the promise. But the reality of it is, is this promise was so much bigger than just Mary and her life and her family. You see, this promise that she received, that that she would carry the Son of God and give birth to him, was the answer, was a promise that was 4,000 years in the making. You see, all the way back in Genesis, after Adam and Eve fell in in the Garden of Eden, in in Genesis chapter 3, we see a discussion between God and the serpent, and he tells the serpent that he would would put enmity between her seed and his seed, and, and, and he says that her seed, that you would bruise his heel, but he would crush your head. And, and in that scripture, in that moment, we begin to reveal, God begins to reveal the first declaration of his promise of the gospel for his people saying, yes, there's going to be this constant fighting and, and the, the, those that belong to you, Satan, are going to be at constant war with those that belong to, to the seed of Adam and Eve, to, to my children, to my people. There's going to be this constant fight, but in the end, you're head will be crushed by the seed that will come through this lineage at some point in time you will ultimately lose and and he begins to reveal this and then the the funny thing is and, and really the reality is is that oftentimes when God gives a promise there's a long period of waiting before anything happens or at least it seems like a long period of waiting in this case it was for approximately 4,000 years from that moment until the moment that Jesus is announced to Mary, that she would bear him as, a, as her son. 4,000 years. You might have been waiting a long time for something in your life, but I can guarantee that you haven't waited 4,000 years. Waiting is part of the process. There, there is so much waiting when, when God is doing something in our life. And when we, as we go through this, we're going to break it down as to maybe why we have to wait so long. But, but if you are waiting today, you need to know that you are in good company. If you look throughout Scripture, we see the Israelites had to wait 40 years in the wilderness. Abraham had to wait 25 years for a son. Joseph had to wait in a prison. David was anointed king and then had to go right back to his sheep and wait for his turn at the throne, even though he was anointed to be king. There is waiting and waiting and waiting when God gives you a promise for your life. And waiting is the hard part. 
See, it's easy to wait and to do something if something's actually happening. Uh, you, you know, traffic, has anybody ever been stuck in traffic, like dead stop, not moving traffic? Yeah. Like, you're sitting there, and at first you're like, okay, we'll get moving in a few moments. Has anybody ever had to wait an hour or more in this dead stop? I have. And all of a sudden, you start getting antsy. And it's even worse when you can see the exit you need to get off of, but you can't go anywhere because you're stuck. And, and, but then all of a sudden, when, when the cars start inching forward, everybody gets excited. It's like, all right, we're actually going to do something. We're actually, we're actually going to move and go in a direction. And, and you find relief in the motion. You find relief in the movement. But there's nothing worse than being stuck in one spot, seeing where you need to go, seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel, seeing your destination, and not being able to move and go anywhere. See, even if the traffic was moving slow, you might be a little bit annoyed, you might be a little bit uh, frustrated, but if you just went from a dead stop to moving, you're most likely going to feel relief because at least you're going somewhere. But I think a lot of times when God gives us a promise, we can see some of it, at least a picture of it in the distance. We have that promise in our mind because God spoke it to us, and there's an image of, of what that might look like, but then sometimes it's a hurry up and wait type of game, and we're sitting there, we feel like we're not moving anywhere, and we begin to get frustrated, we begin to get worn out, and, and we begin to, to wonder, are we ever going to get there? Is this promise ever going to happen? And I'm sure that people throughout these generations felt that way. The prophets came, and, 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 and most famously, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Jesus. He, they prophesied about the, the victory that would come and, and the freedom that would come for God's people, but yet nothing was happening. And it gets even worse because when we come to the end of Malachi, that there's a period of about 400 years where there's no prophets, nobody... Nobody's speaking about God. Nobody's really communicating God's word. And it gets even worse because not only have they waited for so long already, but now they're waiting and they aren't even getting any updates on the process. You see, now we got this technology. If we're sitting in traffic, we can pull out our phones, pull up the GPS and kind of look ahead. And, and if you use uh, any of the map apps on your phone, uh, if you're like me, you can kind of see on it up ahead, there'll be like a red line that'll show where the traffic is, and it'll start turning yellow, meaning it's moving, and you can start looking at that ahead and be like, all right, there's, there's some progress here. We're seeing an update on, on what's going on ahead of us, and, and now we're starting, we're, we're going to be moving soon, and, but they, they got to a point where all of the updates, all of the reminders stopped, and they were just waiting in silence. And then all of a sudden, this angel shows up to Mary after 4,000 years and 400 of it being waiting in silence. The silence is broken, and Mary hears from the angel of the Lord and, he, and says, you are going to bear the Son of God, and he's going to save his people. What a moment what a moment to finally, after so long, get this, get this realization, to have, have this moment of revelation of, hey, the promise is actually coming. It's almost like 
the Christmas Eve. You know, a lot, a lot of the month of December, if you can remember as a child, you know, it's not, not a, there's some excitement, right? Because you know Christmas is coming. But there is nothing like the excitement on Christmas Eve when it's time to go to bed. I can remember as a young lad getting the, the cookies and milk out and the reindeer food out and, and waiting in anticipation, not being able to sleep because I knew that that next morning when I woke up and I went downstairs, that, that tree was going to have presents under it and we were going to have a good time as a family and then we were going to go over to Grandma's house and there was going to be more food and more presents and it was just going to be a wonderful time. And I knew it because, because in the, on that Christmas Eve, my parents would come to me and say, okay, it's time to go to bed because Santa's coming tonight and if you want your presents tomorrow, you got to be in bed or he's not going to bring them. And it's, it's almost kind of like that in some ways, but even greater because this gift meant so much more than any gift we could ever get under a Christmas tree. This gift was the salvation of mankind. This gift had such a heavy weight, a heavy burden that it would bear for all of us. And so that I can only imagine the anticipation and the excitement, but also the nervousness, because if we understand something about this, this promise, is we understand that, again, we have to remember Mary is a virgin, and she's not yet married. And in today's culture, those things aren't as big of a deal. But back then, it was a major, major problem. And we even read in, in other accounts of this story where Joseph wants to divorce and, and separate from Mary because he's like, wait a minute, you're pregnant? And I know we haven't been together. I know, and I'm trying not to be too crass with you this morning. I'm just trying to be real about the situation at hand so we can understand the burden that Mary had to carry during this season and how sometimes we carry burdens like this where people are questioning the promise. People are are. are saying it's not real. People are, if you, if you are somebody who sees memes this time of year, there's tons of stuff making jokes about Joseph and, and Mary's pregnancy and all these things. And, and even today, the, the, the questions are about it. People, there, there's accusations that, that the story of Jesus, people have accused of being just the greatest unplanned pregnancy cover-up of all time. Like, there, there are those accusations out there. And so even today, that this is a, a, a area of contention for some people. For us, we understand the truth and know the truth, but, but we need to understand that, that the promise is not an easy thing to carry. She was ready to be abandoned by everyone, including Joseph. That was a real possibility. God intervened, and we have, that, we, we have that knowledge because we can just read a little bit further in the story, but I can only imagine Mary's nervousness when she said yes to, to this angel and said, I, I will do what the Lord wants me to do. I can only imagine her thinking, what is Joseph going to say? Is he going to believe me? You see, people aren't going to understand the promise that God gives you. People aren't going to always be on board with it. People are going to question the authenticity of the promise. But the reality of it is, if God is in it, he will work all things out in this process. See, God sent an angel to speak 
to Joseph and let him know what was going on and said, don't you dare leave her. You stick by her side and you walk through this with her. Even though the rest of the family members could have easily disowned them, could have abandoned them, and probably many of them did. But the, And then the challenges that lay ahead, uh, there was so much going on. And, and I'm, we're not going to get into all of the details of that this week, but I just want to lay the groundwork for you today for you to understand that carrying the promise of God is not an easy thing. Thing. And many other people will not understand. They'll judge you. They'll criticize you. They'll question if you really heard from God. And, and it is a hard road to walk to carry God's promise on your life, to walk this process out. But I want to encourage you today, no matter how long you've been waiting, no matter how hard it is to carry this promise, to never give up. Your promise that you're carrying very well could be that God promised you that your kids or your grandkids would be saved. The promise could be that you will have a child someday. The promise could be that that husband or wife that you could be waiting on. And, and you may be thinking, I'm getting to a point in my life where I'm too old for all of that. That's not true. If God can give a child to, to Sarah who was barren and because of her old age, he can, he can give a husband, he can give a child, he can give to anyone who may need it. There, there's no limits with God and you need to understand that today. But even though that all things are possible with God, it doesn't mean all things are easy with God. And so we have to walk through this process sometimes. And there's a process for a reason. And if there's one thing I've learned through the reading of Scripture, it's that God is often a God of the instant. But I think even more often, He's the God of process. There was a process to getting Israel out of Egypt. There was a process to bringing about the salvation of mankind through, the, through, through all the Levitical laws and, and all of the, the setting up of the sacraments and the sacrifices and the worship. So it all had to be set in place ahead of time so that way Jesus could fulfill those requirements. If it would have just been instant, there would have been nothing to fulfill. There would have been no process or procedure to even satisfy. There had to be something in place in order for there to be something for the blood of Christ to satisfy. There was so much process to go through to get to this. And we need to understand some things about the process because there is purpose for it. The first thing I want us to understand about process is that oftentimes because of the process, because you have to go through a process, it is for your preservation. The process is often for preservation. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but, all, but that all should reach repentance. This is about a specific promise of salvation for God's people. But if that promise is slow according to the way we see it, then how much more are some of the other promises in our life slow? for the reason of our saving. The reality of it is, if, if there were to be just instant gratification of every promise that God has ever given each and every one of us, many times it would destroy us rather than satisfy us. It would break us down rather than build us up. We would make a mess of it and rather than getting the full blessing of it. 
If, if God just gave us everything instantly, if, if God just handed it to us the moment he spoke it, there is a reason why David did not just go straight to the throne after he was anointed king. It's because there was a lot of things that had to happen in order for him to get there. There was preservation for him because in that moment, although he was anointed king, that was God's promise for his life. That was God's plan for, for the kingdom itself. It was not the right time yet. And if he would have gone right to that throne, it would have been a disaster. But God knew what he was doing. And he said, I'm going to take you through a process so that you and this kingdom can be preserved and it can all be fruitful and it can all be good. But the reality is if, is if with our life, if we were to just be placed right into that promise instantly, there's a lot of things that could go horribly wrong that would totally devastate us that would destroy the promise of God, that it would not be anything worth having any longer because we would turn the promise into a curse. And the reality of it is, is God wants to bless us with the promise. And so he takes us through the process so that way the promise and us could be saved and preserved. Did you follow that with me this morning? There are seasons of my life that I can look back on and Early on when I realized God had called me to ministry, at first it was scary, it was exciting, it was nerve-wracking, it was a lot of different things, but one thing was certain as I thought within the next few days, weeks, months, I, I was going to begin a journey of pulpit ministry, and that was not the case. There was a season of nothing and waiting, which turned into just teaching a humble Sunday school class, which is powerful in its own right, but when you believe that God has given you a promise for a pulpit and you're young and arrogant and you don't understand the weight of that, God will put you in a Sunday school class with a bunch of rowdy teenagers to humble you a little bit to understand the weight of what it really is to teach the Word of God. And it begins this process of fine-tuning and, and working in me and in all of us and you today, whatever that promise is, he'll take you through a process for your preservation. Because if I would have gone right from the promise of being called to preach to being a preacher, it would have been a disaster. Because I still had to learn what it meant to study God's word in order to preach. I knew what it was to read the Bible. I'd been reading it for, for years at this point. But to there's a difference between reading it for your own growth and reading it to hear God's voice and what his will is to speak to his people. There's a big difference in how you prepare for that. And God had to take me through a process so that it would be preserved and not destroyed. The second reason for the process is for production in our life. Romans 5 Verse 3 through 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I, there's a process, this is talking about a process that comes through suffering, but if there's a process for suffering, there's a process for blessing. And, and when we see this, that e there's levels to this, and each level produces something new and something good in the life of a believer. And, and you have to go through this process where God can work in you to produce more love, more joy, more peace, more hope, to build your character, to build your endurance so you don't burn out 
while pursuing the promise. You, you have to go through this process so that it'll actually be productive in life because it would have been a very, very unproductive season to go right from the promise to, to that pulpit to, to for, or for whatever it may be. If God promises that you will have a spouse someday and you are not properly prepared in your heart and your mind to have that spouse, it's going to be a disaster. If you are not mature enough, God will have to produce some maturity in you for it to be success. And not that you can't be immature and be married, but the reality of it is it's going to be a lot harder if you haven't had yourself figured out yet. It's going to be real difficult to walk that road. Not that it can't be done, but it's going to be a lot harder than if you would just let God work in your life and make you into the man or woman you are supposed to be first. Or if you have been promised that God will bring you a child and we have walked that process ourselves in our life where the promise came and it was a whole nother year or almost a year before we found out the promise was on the way. There, there was things that had to happen in our lives and that God was setting up to prepare our hearts and our minds for the reality of what would take place. That there is, And it was also that this season could be a season of good production, a fruitful season, not a season of burden, but a season of life. And so the second reason we have to go through the process for the promise is so that it is a productive season when we get there. The third and final reason that we have to go through a process sometimes and we don't instantly get to the promises because of God's timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 tells us, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. It goes on to give a lot of examples, but I want us to understand today that it may not happen yet, because it's not God's timing for it to happen yet. And even along with that, the timing is being worked out and you don't even realize it. Maybe nothing's happening in your life because God's working in a person that's sitting in your place that you are supposed to occupy. In other words, if you're David, you got to let God work to remove Saul before you can have that throne. There, there is things that have to take place to set up the right time, the right moment for you to step into that promise. You might be ready and your heart might be prepared to have that spouse, but the spouse that you're waiting on and that God has for you isn't quite ready yet. And so God is coordinating the timing of everything so that it all works out for the good. The reason the child hasn't come yet is because God is working out his timing so that it all works out for good. There, there is a timing aspect that comes with God's promise. He never gives it too early. He never gives it too late. It's always right on time. Always right on time. You may feel like it's late, but reality is, is you're just in a hurry. And God is never in a hurry because he wants ultimately for it to be the best thing for us. Because the word says he works all things together for our good. And if he was always in a hurry and he didn't take the time to mold us and shape us, 
it would just be disaster after disaster. See, carrying the promise is a hard thing. And I just want to leave you with this today because a lot of times we, we kind of, okay, we get the benefits of everything, but while we're waiting, while we're going through the process, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And here's what I've come to learn. It's that while you are waiting on God, you need to wait on God. And what I mean by that is while you're waiting in time, you need to wait in service. What I learned in just my own personal life, maybe it'll apply to you, maybe it won't, is that although I, I felt like I was being called to a ministry position, uh, at that point it was to be a youth minister and didn't realize it was going to lead to this at that point in time, had no idea. But in that moment, I just said, okay, when I had this revelation that God gave me of waiting on him while I wait on him, I said, I said, Lord, what, what do I do? He said, just wait on me. I said, okay, I am. He said, no, 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 no. Just serve me where you are while you wait on me in the time. And so that's what I did. I stacked chairs. I showed up and cleaned bathrooms and ran a vacuum and just did whatever there was to do. Then get asked to teach a Sunday school class as a fill-in, just, just as a, a, a substitute, he came back for the next week. He said, they don't want me to teach the class. They've asked for you to come teach the class. I said, okay, I'll do it. Hey, will you start teaching on Wednesday nights to the youth ministry? Yeah, I can do that. I would love to do that. Hey, we're looking for a youth pastor. Would you send a resume? And it's just one thing after the other. But in the moment you're in, do what you can do to serve God and watch him just connect all the dots. Let him open up all the doors that will lead to the promise. You see, we look at the life of Mary and Joseph in this Christmas season. Mary got the promise. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon her and she can conceived to have Jesus but she still had to carry him for nine months there was still a big process to go through and if I learned anything through the birth of our little girl and I'm just on the outside looking in doing what I can to support I can by no means speak on behalf of, of a woman who's had a child I can't but I can say that there's definitely a big process to walk through to have a child. There's a big process that they had to go through in their life to prepare them to be parents. I don't think they had children on the mind right away necessarily. They were just trying to get married. They were betrothed, but they were trying to get married. That, that was the first thing they were worried about. That there was, there was so much to go through there is such a burden to carry. And on top of all that, it's not like it's just her child. It's the son of God that she is carrying. Can you imagine the weight? Like God says, hey, you're going to carry my son and give birth to him, and you're going to raise him. You're responsible for him. You're accountable for him. That's a heavy promise to carry. 
That's a heavy, heavy promise to carry. There is, there is promises for each and every one of us in our life. God has so much for each and every one of us, no matter how young or how old. There's, as long as there is breath in your lungs, there is, there is a God who is still working on you and through you. This Christmas season, I, I know this isn't, this isn't like typical silent night, holy night type of Christmassy teaching, but the Lord laid all this on my heart because I believe that there are promises for us as individuals, but promises for this church. But in order to get to those promises, we have to walk through the process where God molds us and shapes us to be who he wants us to be. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. But the reality of it is, is even if it's difficult, it's still possible. Even in the hardest day, it's still God's promise. And if he gave you a promise that you would get from point A to point W, and I say point W because there seems like there's going to be a lot of stops along the way. If he says we're going to the other side, if he says we're going to make it to the promised land, it doesn't really matter what's going on in the middle. Because if God said it will happen, it will happen. He is not a man that he should lie. Will you bow your heads with me today?